This will be the last message, at least for a while, on the idea of made for ministry. The idea that God is at work and God should be at your workplace. And so we started in the book of Romans 12, uh, the book of Romans chapter 12, if you remember, uh, that first week we talked about being living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. And I was trying to kind of get out this idea of the difference between sacred and secular and where they maybe they are separated. And then also that what we also need to let work be a sacred thing too and make sure that we bring the Lord to our workplace. And today we're going to look at a lot of this idea of what can you bring to your work that will really have an impact for Christ, an impact for his kingdom, and that will be pleasing to him. So we're going to look in Romans chapter 12. And we're going to just start off with verse 21, but we're going to be moving through verses 3 through 21 days. It's a lot of verses. I'm going to give you a lot of information. So just kind of prepare yourself for that ahead of time. <laughs> There's a lot coming. It's going to come at you quick. Uh, but this passage has meant a lot to me. I'll tell you more about that in just a second in this Romans chapter 12 passage. But if you will be prayerful as we go through this today, I think the Lord will speak to you wherever your workplace or your ministry place is. If your ministry is at home with your spouse, You'll see some things in here that can help you. If your ministry is to a neighbor or in a certain organization or if it's at a workplace, it'll be good there. And if you're just a student in school, I think you'll see opportunity in this passage for the Lord to challenge your heart. So just pray, and I know the Lord will speak because it's a great passage we're going to look at today with really what it means to be a Christ follower. What does that look like? So we're going to start in Romans chapter 12. We're just going to read verse 21 first, and this is kind of the overarching theme of this whole passage, is this. Verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And I think you heard that even in our prayer request this morning, didn't you, right? Can things that trouble you kind of weigh heavy on your heart and start to get you down? Absolutely, right? I mean, things that we saw, like Andrew mentioned, uh, a child that's in need. We saw some accidents this weekend. We look at different happenings in our own country and around the world, and sometimes in our own family, and you just think, it's just getting worse and worse. When's it all going to end? And you can kind of almost, if you're not careful, get into a despair mode, can't you? Right? But we're not called to despair, are we? And here you see that idea. And here's what you, if you'll pay attention today, what the Lord's going to speak to your heart these are the ways that you can live your life so that you aren't overcome by evil, so that evil doesn't win in your life, but that the Lord does, and the Lord is good. Now, this morning, I want our focus to be a little bit around work. So we're going to look at this passage through the lens of what does it mean if I was at work? How should I think about these things when I'm at work? And a good conversation to kind of get us started and kind of thinking a little bit this morning is how does your uh, spirituality or your religion or your belief in Christ, how does it fit in your workplace? Should you expect your workplace to let you bring your church to work? What do you think about that? Let me read you some things here from a kind of a more of a legal perspective and get you thinking a little bit about how does it look for an employer who's trying to uh, be good at their work, but also be understanding of someone's faith. How does that go together? Because of our country's great diversity, employers may hire employees from a great variety of countries and religious backgrounds. 
In an ideal work environment, the religious beliefs of a given employee or the employer do not create conflicts. Either is free to believe as he or she chooses as long as the work gets done satisfactorily. Neither will encounter difficulty on the basis of religion. Here we go. Yet, (laughs) in the real world, a number of issues can arise to create friction. An employer and employee may discuss or even argue over religious principles. What's more, religion is not simply a matter of belief, is it? The faithful practice their religion through various actions, styles of dress, manner of keeping one's hair, trying to recruit others to their faith, following certain diets or praying, fasting, avoiding certain language or behavior, and observing certain religious holidays. Put simply, the many characteristics of different religions provide ample ground for disagreement, conflict, or even harassment among employers and employees. You guys seen that in your workplace? If you'll notice that it's really coming down the pipe, at least in education world now, that we're getting all kinds of diversity training. Um, what I think, what I would rather have is have conflict management training <laughs> because I think this is the issue. When differing people have differing beliefs and views, how do they get along respectfully and still hold their ground to what they believe? That's where the issue lies, right? So it's not so much about just being tolerant of everything. It's like, well, when I disagree with what you're doing or you disagree with what I'm doing, how do we manage that conflict? Well, think about this again from the perspective of an employer. Many claims of religious discrimination arise from the alleged failure of an employer to accommodate an employee's religious observance. If an employer informs the excuse me, if an employee informs the employer of a job requirement that conflicts with a religious belief or observance, the employer must either provide a reasonable accommodation or be prepared to demonstrate that doing so would create undue hardship. Listen closely here, all right? Some common accommodation requests include requests for time off to observe a religious holiday, requests not to work on a Saturday or not to work on a Sunday, and requests to deviate from the employer's dress code. I don't know about you. Have any of you ever had to request to have Sundays off? In some places, it is very difficult. And so you might say, hey, I'm a believer and our church meets on Sundays and it's really important for me to be there on Sundays. And so legally your employer has to make an attempt to accommodate that situation. Now, it may not be resolved that you have every Sunday off, but legally they are bound to try to make some attempt to accommodate that. So a few examples of what courts consider to be accommodation. One would be just meeting on several occasions with the employee to seek a resolution. So they're making an effort to try to work it out. One would be accommodating the employee's observance of religious holidays whenever possible. One would be attempting to find a volunteer to swap shifts with an employee. Maybe you've already found that. There's somebody that doesn't mind working Sundays. You mind, and so you work it out. And one would even be attempting to transfer an employee to another job in the same company. Now, this is interesting to me. The accommodation provided does not have to be the one the employee prefers. (laughs) Instead, the accommodation merely needs to remove the conflict between the job and the employee's religious observance or practice. An employer does not have to provide any accommodation that creates safety hazards or involves more than minimal expenses. The question of whether an employer must provide a religious accommodation is determined on a case-by-case basis, and employers should consult with counsel to ensure that they are in compliance with the law. Now, why in the world did I read you all that stuff? (laughs) 
Because what I want you to think about, sometimes we shy away from uh, our beliefs in our workplace. And what's really interesting, even here in our country, that it is built into the law to make some accommodation for the things that you hold fast. Now, if all of a sudden, you, if you've never asked off for Sundays and you've been working for 15 years at a place and you decide, oh, I heard this message, hey, you better let me off next week. <laughs> They're going to say, well, what happened to you? Did you have a religious experience this weekend? Right? There needs to be consistency there. But I also want you to know that there is some accommodation in the law for these things. We've even encouraged our own kids as they step into a new job that that's the best time to set your boundaries about what is important, right? So if my be of my church family on Sundays is of high priority to me and I go seek a new job, I'm going to let my employer know right off the bat, look, I would love to come work for you, but I want to tell you right now, Sundays are out of the equation. I will not be here on any Sundays, and if you require me to be, I won't be here and you'll end up firing me because this is a priority to me. And so if you could set those things out front, then that's how those, a lot of times that works out really good with your company that you're working with. Think about those things as you move forward. And today I want to make sure that this isn't really a message about socking it to your employer, okay? But I want to remind you that there are many things that you can do besides just preaching from the desk in your office or bringing in the praise team, how would you like to bring Megan and Diane and Rick to come into your office and sing for you? What do you think? Right? There's things that you can do besides that to still have a ethic, a work ethic that is God-pleasing, God's name hallowing, that is gospel-glorifying. And you can do that as we look through this passage. Uh, when I was in college, one, it was one evening after, uh, I think it was after a prayer time as a group, a prayer group time, I went through this passage in Romans 12, and it just, it brought revival to my heart. There's so many things here. If you want to know what does a Christian look like, uh, this is one of the best places to go. Maybe next to the Beatitudes, this is the best place to go to see what does a Christian look like. And today, what I want you to think about is what does a Christian look like outside of their home, outside of this church? What do they look like in their school or in their work or with their friends? And I think you'll see the Lord will speak to you. Now, again, I told you off the bat, I'm going to hit you with a lot of things. Are you ready? You're not going to believe this, but I'm going to tell you, we're going to go through it. But I'm going to go through quick. We're going to look at 18 principles. I can see some of you are already just ready to fall over, aren't you, right? Hang with me. It'll be okay. 18 things to help you worship at work from Romans 12. All right? So bear with us, and we'll make our way through this. Uh, we're going to look at the first thing, and then an extended passage of scripture, and then we're going to start really going through them quickly. First thing, if you are going to worship at work, if you're going to make a difference at work, do work that matches your gifts. If God wants you to be a teacher and you're working as an auto mechanic, what do you think? Maybe you better switch, right? That's it. God didn't call me to be an auto mechanic. If I tried to be, I would not last long, people. I'm going to tell you that right now, okay? I've tried. It's not pretty, okay? Are you serving where the Lord not only wants you to serve, but where he gifted you to serve? Look quickly with me here in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Look what the Word of God says. Paul says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. So this isn't just be hard on yourself. This is think accurately. 
What are your gifts? What are your abilities? What has God enabled you to do? Look in verse 4. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If someone's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. And if it is serving, let him serve. And if it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Right? The first thing I want to challenge you with today is are you using the gifts that God gave you? And if you hate your job and you can't stand your work, I would almost bet you that part of it is that you're not doing the gifts, using the gifts that God has given. Because usually what happens is when you use the gifts God has given you, what does that do for you? It feels great. My favorite time of the whole week is usually right now and especially Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Why is that? Because God said, Travis, you need to help teach people to follow after me. And I love to do that. And when I'm doing that, I feel great, right? I don't get to do that all the time. But I have other gifts, and as I use those gifts, I feel fulfilled, right? If you have no fulfillment in your work, make sure that you're using those gifts at that work. And if you're not, here's the real hardest challenge. You're going to not like this. Maybe you need to see that you need to be someplace else working. You you let the Lord lead, not the preacher in that, but you make sure about that. All right, I want us to look just briefly at this Romans 12, 9 through 21. I want to read the whole passage, and then we're going to start knocking these out line by line. But if you ever want to see what does it look like to be a follower of God, there's probably no better picture than right here in Romans chapter 12. Verse 9, the scripture says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope and patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. And be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Verse 19, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Verse 20, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. And do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right, the first thing I said is do work that matches your gifts. This is going to help you worship at work. Second thing today, be real. Does that sound familiar for those of you in Sunday school? (laughs) We just had a 30-minute lesson on authentic, right? Be authentic. Be real. Love must be sincere. Nobody wants to be around people who are fakes or two-faced. Be yourself. Be the new creation self 
that God has made you. When you're at work, if you are a different person at work than you are at church or at home, will people eventually catch up on that? They will. Even at work, if you are different when the boss comes around, anybody that way? Don't admit to it. If the boss comes around and you're all smiles and, oh, the world's lovely, and then the boss walks out the room and you're like, rah, 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 that boss, he doesn't know how to run this show. If I was running this show, this would be so much better. Right? Be real. Be transparent. Love must be sincere. If it's not sincere, it's not love. Right? In your workplace, let people know. And Vicky had some really good points this morning in our Sunday school lesson. Let people know that Christians aren't perfect. Amanda talked about that too. Some people think that because you claim to be a Christian that you're claiming you've arrived and you have all this stuff worked out and you know what it is to be a model human being. But we all sin, don't we? Right? And Christians are trusting in grace. They're growing. They're trying to not be who they were, but they are definitely not perfect. Be sincere. Be real. That's the second thing this morning. Third thing today. This is so good to me. This should guide a lot of our things in our life. The scripture says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And again, what we've shared before, hate the things God hates and love what he loves. How are you going to know what God hates? His word, right? If I said, do you know if the preacher likes liver and onions? Let's just do a poll. How many people think the preacher likes liver and onions? (laughs) <laughs> How many people think the, don't, think the preacher doesn't like liver and onions? All right. There's one person in this room that knows me. And somebody's really good at watching someone that knows me, right? Wendy knows me, and so she knows things that I like. How are you going to know what the Lord loves and what he hates? You got to know him, don't you? Right? And you guys already said it. How do I get to know the Lord Many ways, but primarily by being in the Word, being in prayer, being around people that love Him, filling my mind with things that are pleasing to Him, and then I get to know the Lord. And then it gets a lot easier to know that's something the Lord would like, and that is something that He doesn't like. And we need to follow in those paths. Again, I'm not making this up. This is right out of Romans chapter 12, right? Hate what is evil, hate it. Cling to what is good. Hold fast. Don't let go of those things. What I would say to you this morning is make God-pleasing decisions at work. God-pleasing decisions at work. What does the Lord want me to do? That's tricky sometimes, isn't it? Can I be, I'm going to be real honest with you. Sometimes what your boss wants you to do or your coworker wants you to do is not what the Lord wants you to do. We need to have the mind of the Lord and do what the Lord wants us to do. He'll take care of us. You've got to trust him in that, all right? He'll take care of you. You do what he wants you to do. Second thing, or excuse me, number four. <laughs> We're already at number four. Show some loyalty. Now think about this with me this morning. And this is, I really would like to talk with some of you guys about this in more detail later on. The scripture says, puts it this way, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, right? Hopefully, as church brothers and sisters, I can count on you and you can count on me, correct? And we can count on each other. And what I would kind of challenge you this morning, think about this with me, and there's some room here for a discussion and a debate, uh, but I just want you to think a little bit with me on this. In a lot of places, loyalty has gone out the window in the workplace, hasn't it, right? 
I don't remember the latest numbers. I feel like I'm just making this up out of my head. You guys check it out online, whatever. I feel like it's almost like 11 jobs now. They're saying that a person who's leaving college will probably have around 11 jobs in their lifetime. My dad, he got hired on at A.E. Staley in Decatur right out of high school. He worked there 30 years. That doesn't happen much anymore, does it? Right? Now, there's differing reasons for that, okay? But the thing I wanted to kind of bring out this morning is that even though you may have some different jobs, you should have loyalty for the people that you're working with to the sense sense that they trust you. And they know that you're not just looking out for your interests, but you're looking out for the interests of your company and the people that you're serving. Does that make sense? Okay. So think about again that this morning. I'm not telling you can't ever move up or you shouldn't get another job or go another location. I am saying make sure that the people that are around you know that you, you have their best interest at heart and not just your best interest at heart. Number five today. Honor one another above yourselves. And that goes right back to the last one and probably one of the hardest things to do in this whole passage. Have a servant spirit. Uh, Let your work do the talking. Uh, Can can I give you a little soapbox here and you'll see the old, old, old man preacher come out for a second? What's really hard for the preacher, this is the big Super Bowl Sunday, right? Okay. What's tough for me for the, as, a, as an old man is that when somebody makes one little bitty good play and they come up with their whole dance and bragging, and all, it's like, dude, you just made one play. There's a whole game going on here, right? Let your work do the talking. Now, I know this is a generational thing because Isaiah, my son, he loves that when they do that. <laughs> But the point is, let your work do the talking, right? You can talk all you want to about how great a person you are, how important God is, how we should do all these things, and yet people are walking by in need, or you're gossiping, or you're not serving, or you're looking out for your own interests. Guess what? Your work is talking, isn't it, right? So today I challenge you, let your work do the talking, and let it be the work of honoring the people that you serve. Just a quick reminder from the book of Genesis, chapter 39. In verse 2, the scripture says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Verse 4, Joseph found favor in his eyes, and he became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So verse 6, he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Is that an unbelievable testimony of a Christian worker or what? Right? Again, we talked a little bit about this last Sunday. Your people that are in the higher ups in your organization, they ought to be really reaching for Christian workers, because Christian workers ought to really stand out. Christian workers, they work hard. They work to honor their company and to serve the people that they're working. They work like they're working for somebody else, and we are, right? (laughs) There's something about a Christian worker. Their ethic is just a little bit different, and it should really stand out. This is that same thing, and you can see in the life of Joseph how it transformed his relationship with his boss. Number six today, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Stay hungry to please God. 
You can think about this in a lot of different ways. I just want to give you one little idea this morning. Fill your mind with good things while you work. Again, that's a quick poll here again. How many of you can listen to the radio while you're at work? Or headphones, right? And maybe you can or can't. In our organization where I work, uh, lots of people have their headphones in because we live in it. We uh, live in it. <laughs> we work in a very open area space. And so privacy is, there is none. And so we a lot of times put in headphones just to have a little bit of that privacy. Well, that's a great opportunity to be filling your mind and your heart with good things, right? So think about, again, just think about small opportunities you may have. Uh, some of you may have different break times where you can, again, have good conversations or read books and magazines that would encourage you. Just remind yourself you are working for the Lord. Number seven, focus on your hope. Your hope is your strength. Stay focused on your Lord and the hope of glory. Now, the world would say this way, be positive. Should you be positive? Well, that's good to be positive, right? Do you like to be around negative people or positive people? I hate to say this, but occasionally some of us don't mind the negative people, do we? If we want to go commiserate or we want to hear the latest gossip, we go sit down at that lunch table, right? <laughs> but most of the time, we like to be around people who are positive, right? People that lift us up, that we feel good. They're doing good things. They kind of keep everybody going. I like to be around that person. Well, how much more should a Christian who is filled with the hope of glory be joyful in their work? Again, it goes back to that first thing, doesn't it? If I'm doing the things the Lord has gifted me to do, I'm on that track. And if I'm serving people and God is allowing other people to see my work ethic and things are growing, increasing, guess what? I can stay positive because my positive, positivity is not in myself, but it's in what God has done for me. All right. Be joyful in your hope. If anybody has a reason to be happy or to have hope, who does, right? Given right? <laughs> I have a home in heaven. What a day that will be, right? This body is going to decay and wear out, and it's going to be resurrected. Amen, right? If anybody's got a reason to celebrate, it should be a believer, and that should be obvious in our work. All right, number seven, focus on your hope. Number eight, be, this is a hard one, be patient during difficult circumstances. Be patient in affliction. So sometimes times are tough, right? Anybody remember 2008? All right. There was a really fantastic teacher that I know of and live with that had a hard, hard time getting a job because there were really no jobs to be had. And everybody that had a job was clinging on to their job. Now, once the economy got better, then it was no problem. <laughs> And she was able to show her work ethic, right? But sometimes times are tough. Again, by being patient in affliction, we can even minister to people and they can see that. And it could be at smaller things as well. You ever have a bad day at work? <laughs> That's a dumb question, isn't it, right? I just, have you ever had your uh, iPad server that manages 12,000 iPads go down and unenroll about 500 devices and you knew it was going to be about a month before it was all fixed? That's never happened to anyone, has it? Oh, maybe me. That's a bad day, right? Guess what? People like to watch you when you're happy, but when they really watch you is when something doesn't go right. How do you handle that? Right? Be patient in affliction. Be patient in difficult circumstances. 
ask for discernment. And guess what? That follows right on the next thing. It's interesting how Paul works these things out, right? In verse 9, if you need discernment, if you're trying to be patient, what are you going to do? You're going to pray. Number nine, pray, 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 pray some more. Be faithful in prayer. How can I say this enough? Pray for your workplace. Pray for your coworkers. Pray for your boss. Pray for those under your authority. Pray for your company. Pray while you work. If you drive for work, please pray with your eyes open. (laughs) But pray, right? We need to be praying about all these situations. One of my principles that I just adore, he prays for all the kids. He has like 700 and some kids in his school. He prays for the kids in his school. Isn't that awesome? Public school, by the way. Here's a man of God in a position of leadership. He's taking it seriously. He prays for the children that he is serving. Right? What about you? You praying for your neighbor? You praying for the people in your house? You praying for your uh, post office worker that comes by and drops off your mail? Maybe the trash guy? Who can we pray for that we interact with? You know, I don't know who's all in your world, but today make sure you're praying for them. And that God would work and use that, especially at your work. Because we spend so much time with people at our work. Please pray for your coworkers. Number 10, look for opportunities to help and to serve. And the way it's worded here in Romans is share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Even this morning, think just a little bit. How can you help those around you? How can you minister to any of the needs and not just the work needs of people around you? Do you know somebody at your work maybe that is lonely? Maybe you know somebody at work that's pretty sick. I mean, we've had prayer for cancer this morning. Cancer is just everywhere, isn't it? Or diabetes or heart issues. Maybe you know somebody at your work like that. What can you do to encourage them? Maybe you know somebody that's, their spouse has gone through a real hard time or their, their child has gone through a hard time. Can you send them a card, give them a text? Can you maybe, here's a bold move, but probably good when I had this last, last week happen to me, a coworker, prayed for me and another coworker right on the spot. When's the last time you did that? right? Follow the Lord's lead in those things, but look for opportunities to help and to serve and to share. Hopefully today the Lord's even speaking to your heart of some things that you can do with those that you're around. Number 11, bless those who are against you. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Is there anybody that ever felt like they were out to get you? Or some people just really at work just don't seem to like you. You would think everybody would like a Christian, right? (laughs) If you've been around very long, Jesus said they hate me, what do you think they're going to do for you, right? The very best Christian was Christ, and the world crucified him. How are they going to treat you, right? If you find other brothers and sisters at work, you're probably going to love each other and love be around each other, and it's going to be good to meet once in a while. But if you're around people that don't want anything to do with Jesus, they're not going to like you any better right? Bless those people. Would you rather curse them? I'll show you. You won't have internet for a week. Your computer will give you a loaner and it won't get fixed for a few months. We'll teach you, right? You ever have that kind of attitude? Again, I just have to, that's the realm I'm in is technology. So that's our area of power, right? Everybody here probably even has a little power. It's so interesting, even in a school environment, it doesn't matter what rung you're on on the ladder, there's power all the way, isn't there? Cafeteria worker has some power, right? They do, right? 
The secretary is the most powerful position in the whole school. They're the gatekeeper. Look there, right there. Mrs. Penn is not denying that, right? Who comes in, who goes out, what happens, how things are accountable. It's not the principal. It's that lead secretary. They have a lot of authority. Use that authority to bless, not to curse. That's challenging, isn't it? Let the Lord be a blessing through you. Uh, John Ortberg, in a study entitled An Ordinary Day with Jesus, and Ruth Haley, they wrote this, doing the right work with the right attitude and the right spirit is immensely important because the most important thing you bring, from, you bring home from work is not your paycheck. The most important thing you bring home from work is you. Amen? Your family does not want you coming home with a completely bitter spirit because things aren't going well at work and you haven't handled them well. But if you are walking in the steps of the Lord, the most important thing you bring home from work is you. Bring that you home that has done a good day's work for the Lord's glory. And guess what? Your home's going to be better too. Right? That's not me. That's the scriptures here, right? Bless those who persecute you. Number 12, show love and compassion at work. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So-and-so got the promotion. How do you feel about that? Well, were you applying for the same job? <laughs> that might make part of how you feel about it, right? Oh, this is one of the things I have to, I'm, I'm middle management, by the way, just in case you didn't know that. And so I see some people on the lower rung trying to move up the next rung, and somebody will get hired into that next rung, and then some of the people on the lower rung are so bitter. Why didn't they choose me? Why does it, ha it never happens for me? Why is it always against me? And part of me is like, well, maybe there's part of it's because how you treat these types of situations. <laughs> and isn't that your coworker? And maybe in some cases it was a very good friend of theirs. Wouldn't you be excited for them? Hey, well, if I didn't get it, at least they did. At least we didn't hire somebody from the outside. Congratulations. I am glad for you. But instead it's usually, well, it was me. I didn't get the good deal out of it, right? Look again, rejoice with those who rejoice. How about mourn with those who mourn, right? Some of the most powerful expressions of love are when you cry with somebody who's been hurt and they know that you're just there for them. It's not magic words. It's not magic anything. It's just you being present and they see how their hurt is hurting you. What a powerful expression of love. Mourn with those who mourn. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 just says, do everything in love. Number 13, live in harmony with one another. The way I would word this is just get along. What can you do to make it work? And there are some days that that's what you have to do, right? Some days you are worn out and you are tired and things aren't working. And hey, work out to get along. Let that be your goal. Live in harmony with one another. 14, don't be conceited, but associate with who or whom? Who, who should you associate with? Everybody. We have these little pitch-ins at work. And again, we're at a central office, so we have HR, business, technology, student services, special ed, and superintendent's office. So all these differing groups. When we go have a pitch-in, you can usually tell the groups at the table. Technology, HR, business, superintendent's office. Because <laughs> we're always with those people, so we just eat with those people. Do you ever cross the table and sit with somebody else? 
Are you scared to sit with upper management because your coworkers might think that you're trying to butter up to someone? Are you too good for upper management? Hey, look, you're not telling me anything. I come from blue collar town, union all the way, baby. Decatur, Illinois, blue collar, those white collar guys, they were the enemy. We were the ones that did the work. We were the hardworking people and we need to get paid for it. You don't mess, you don't touch those managerial positions. You stay away from those people, All right? How about the other way? Do you ever uh, eat lunch with people who are, are down a rung or two on the ladder? Well, I don't want them to get any ideas, All right? Again, school environment, you guys are getting way too much picture in the school environment today, but in this day we call those teachers aides. And they are treated completely different than teachers. And it shouldn't be that way. But that is a lot of times how it is. In your own work environment, do you have those same areas? Think about that today. Associate with everyone. And this is where you don't need diversity training. The Bible already said you associate with everyone. Is there any exceptions in there? Anything based on race or socioeconomic status? <laughs> no, you associate with everyone. That's what the scripture says. And you will stand out by doing so. 15, don't seek revenge. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. That ever happened at workplace? Oh boy, especially in the corporate world, right? You did something to me, man. I'm gonna, oh boy, I'm gonna lay into you. You just wait. You won't know when it's coming. Verse 16, reminder on the same idea. As much as possible, live in peace. If it is possible, again, even Paul recognizes it's not always possible. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Some things don't depend on you, do they? Right? There are some people in some situations you are not going to win. You cannot win. You have no control over the situation. Don't fret about those things. Paul says, as far as it depends on you, for your part, live in forgiveness and love and compassion and serve. As possible with you, you do that part. Again, look for a way to, to work to get things along. Verse 7, or not verse 7, I keep saying verses. Number 17, heap some coals. This is really lovely. <laughs> if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In so doing, the scripture says, you will heap burning coals of fire on his head. What does that mean? I've heard different things, but the main thing that comes to my mind is that you are really going to burn the fire out of them just by killing them with kindness, right? Some people that are the best people on the phone that I hear at work, they'll be a really irate parent will call in because why did you call off school today? Or why are, why are we going to school today? <laughs> and those secretaries, their talk can be so calming and relaxed and listening that they can diffuse the situation. The best ones, that's what they do, Right? They're being kind to someone who is not being kind to them. And oftentimes, that soft answer turns away wrath, just like the Scripture says. But on the flip side here, what it mentions is, hey, if your enemy is trying to do bad things to you and you're just doing good things to them, you're heaping coals of fire on their head. Eventually, it's probably going to wear them out. Okay? Look for ways to pray and love and serve the people that aggravate you the most at your work. That's a challenge, isn't it, right? Look at the word of God today and let the Lord encourage you there. Finally, where we're going to end where we started. Kind of the summary statement again to me over this whole passage is overcome 
uh, with good and overcome with God. Do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. You guys, this is such a great truth. We can be evil wherever it is. Because who's our backup? Right? Yeah, you can come at me with all you want, but how are you going to defy the army of the living God? I still can't get past that message. That young boy gave it a quarter meeting last week. He's talking about David. The Goliath comes out and he taunts the Israelite army for 40 days, morning and, and night. He comes out and he calls them all every name in the book and says, what are you guys doing? Somebody come out here and fight me. I'm the great Goliath. And for 40 days, for 80 times, they all sit and listen to this giant spout his mouth. David shows up one time. He shows up one time and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? The little runt, (laughs) who's the youngest of the family, says, what are you guys doing? God is our backup. Let's go take out this guy. Sometimes we cower at evil in our workplace, don't we? We get all scared and afraid. Oh, no, what's going to happen here? Who are you serving? The living God. He rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and he's going to take all those who repented and trusted him to heaven someday as well. What are you afraid of? You afraid of losing your job? He lost his life, and he rose again. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son because he knew the Lord could raise him up. What are you so scared about? Do what the Lord says to do, and he will honor it, and you'll be so pleased in what you're doing. All right? Final illustration of the day. Just again, a reminder that you can serve God at your work. This is from uh, Brandon Bradley. He says, I'm a surgical assistant, the surgeon's right-hand man. At one point in my career, I lost my passion. I wanted a job with spiritual significance, and I prayed and prayed for that. Imagine my shock when God led me to a position in plastic surgery of all things. (laughs) Why would God want me to be in a hotbed of vanity, I wondered. During my quiet times, the Lord assured me that this was part of his plan and I I should wait upon his direction. So I obeyed, continuing to pray that the Lord would use me in this job. The first thing I heard him say when I started my new position was this, gather and pray in my name. Well, there were only a few Christians who worked in the plastic surgery department, but I started with them. I'm going to start praying for our workplace each Monday, 15 minutes before we clock in, I told them. I'll be in operating room two, and I hope you will join me. We met each week praying for our work, our colleagues, and our patients, and soon we were praying boldly for opportunities to witness. By the end of that year, God had answered many prayers, which included 10 friends who accepted Christ as their Savior. God has blown me away with his answers, and he has given me a purpose far beyond patient care. He expanded my circle of influence by transferring me to the main surgery department, where I now rotate through all four surgery departments in the hospital campus. I've been able to start several prayer groups throughout the hospital, and each group focuses on inviting the Holy Spirit to move in their department. They encourage each other in Christ, pray for opportunities to witness, seek God's will, and ask that Christ be glorified in their work. I don't know if I'll always work in a surgery department caring for patients who are under anesthesia most of the time I'm with them. But since I realized that I could advance the kingdom of God through praying at work, 
I have found renewed passion for my job as well as for the opportunities for ministry it provides. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Pray for your work. Guess what? You might actually start to enjoy what you're doing. All right? Again today, do not be overcome by evil, but Scripture says overcome evil with good. Let's ask the Lord to help us to be everything that he wants us to be wherever our ministry is today. And again, I hope you guys, I hope you know, I'm not trying to limit you to just workplace stuff. Maybe your work is at your home. Maybe your work is in your neighborhood. Wherever God is using you to minister, ask him to make you all that he wants you to be for his glory. All right, let's stand. I'm going to go to the piano and play just a moment, and we'll have a time of prayer. Feel free to come to the altar if you'd like, and then we'll be done with prayer and have announcements here in just a moment.